let's dive into our message, okay? Uh, maybe something I know a little bit about, not daylight savings, okay? <laughs> Only God can judge me. You ever heard that before? Have you ever said that before? Only God can judge me. This phrase seems to have become popular in a way of thinking and become popular as a tattoo. We see it all the time, right? Only God can judge me. There's even a song back in the 90s by a popular artist, Tupac, with the same title, Only God Can Judge Me. This idea that only God can judge me, I believe, comes from a misunderstanding and misinterpretation of the text in Matthew 7 that we're going to look at today. But both followers of Jesus and those who aren't have misused Jesus' words to justify their desire to not want to be corrected or told that they are wrong or to be held accountable. It's thrown out to keep people from speaking the truth into other people's lives. Oh, you're a Christian. Well, you can't speak uh, about sin in my life. You've got sin in your life. You're just a hypocrite. Or maybe you've heard, well, that may be true for you, but that's not my truth. It's not my truth. Somehow we have convinced ourselves that truth somehow is subjective. Friends, truth is not subjective. Truth is the body of real things, the body of real events, the body of real facts. And so if something is opinion or if something is subject to different people in different situations, then it by nature is not truth. Truth is not subjective. Truth is real. Now, we may think this is kind of new to our culture, new to us today, but it's not. Even Pilate asked Jesus, what is truth? Now, last week we saw that the remedy to worry is prayer because prayer helps us to change where we put our trust. It helps us to change from us putting our trust in ourselves and our own situations to putting our trust in God. And we saw that when we begin to put our trust in God, the results of that is peace that transcends all understanding. And then we also saw how important it is for us to connect with other followers of Jesus who we can walk side by side through the messiness of life with us and can help carry our burdens. Well, today we're going to see which is true. Is it true that only God can judge me? Or is it true that we can and should judge each other? And we're going to see some steps that we can take to build authentic relationships with others. And we're going to see how important those relationships are for us to live as salt and light. We've been in our study going through the gospel of Matthew and Jesus has been teaching us and he's been showing us how we are to live in the kingdom of heaven. He's been teaching us how we are to live under God's authority, how we are to, to live and be salt and light. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn with me over to the book of Matthew, and we're going to be in chapter 7 today. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back table back there. We'd love to give you a copy of one. If you don't own one, please take one as a gift from us. Matthew chapter 7. Matthew is about two-thirds of the way through your Bible if you are looking for it. And um, it's the first book of the New Testament. And it's one of four books that we call the Gospels because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John tell us the good news. And that's what that word gospel means. They tell us the good news about Jesus. 
Matthew chapter 7, we're going to start there in verse 1. So if you would read along with me. Jesus says, Do not judge, or you will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged, and with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own? How can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when all the time you have a plank in your own? Let's pause there for just a moment. See, Jesus says right here that you can't judge me. Only God can judge me. So stop confronting sin in my life when you have sin in your own life. You've got a plank in your eye. Why are you pointing out the sawdust in mine? You're just a hypocrite. Or maybe you've heard, man, you know, I don't go to church because they're just a bunch of judgmental hypocrites. And to that, I say, you're right. We are. We're, we are a bunch of sinners of which I am the worst. But you know, you should probably avoid the doctor's office and hospitals too. Because that's where sick people hang out. And she probably shouldn't go to the gym because there's a bunch of out-of-shape folks that are there, too. All right? Friends, people are looking for an excuse. And if they're looking for an excuse, there is very little that you and I can do to change their mind. Because the reality is, it hurts when people confront sin in our lives. It hurts when we are rebuked and, and held accountable. It is hard to hear other people tell us that we are wrong. But we also can judge and condemn other people with evil motives, just like Jesus tells us here in Matthew 7. We can point out the speck in other people's eyes while ignoring the plank in our own so that maybe we can distract ourselves or distract them from our own sin. And so sometimes we just leave it at that. Well, I guess they're right. Only God can judge me. But that's not the point of what Jesus is saying here. He isn't saying, well, you've sinned, and so now you lose all right to speak truth into other people's lives and to confront sin in other people's lives. It's not what Jesus is telling us. Look at what Jesus says next in verse 5. Jesus continues and says, You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Don't give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Now the world points to these verses to try to scare us from confronting sin in their lives. And the reality is that shame can oftentimes cause us to shut down and think, well, maybe they got a point. Maybe only God can judge me. Or on the other side of that, the, the flip side of that coin, our pride and our ego can come in the way and we can prove them right by pointing out their specks while ignoring our own planks. But Jesus doesn't say, well, you've got sin in your life, so... You deal with your eyes and let them deal with their eyes. It's not what Jesus tells us here. He says, no, first take the plank out of your eye so that you can help remove the sawdust speck from your brother or sister's eyes. It's not one or the other. 
It's both. It's both us removing the plank from our own eye, dealing with our own sin in our life so that we can help our brothers and sisters deal with the sin that's in their life. It's not one or the other. So today I want us to learn how we can help each other out. Here are some steps that we can take to not only help remove the speck in our brothers or sisters' eyes, but also that we can use to remove the plank from our own eyes. And so if we want to remove the speck from our brothers and sisters' eyes, we first must watch ourselves. We looked at this verse last week, but in Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, Paul says this, brothers and sisters, If someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. So friends, if we want to help remove the speck from our brother's or sister's eye, we first must watch ourselves so that we too aren't carried off into temptation and sin. We've got to watch ourselves. And friends, if we are not or have not dealt with our own sin, if we are not taking the plank out of our own eye, we cannot see clearly to help remove the speck from our brother or sister's eye. Now we saw this a couple of weeks ago when we looked at 1 John. And in 1 John, he tells us that if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins to God, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if we want to be able to help our brother or sister to remove the speck from their own eye, to help deal with sin in their life, we first must watch ourselves by confessing our sins to God. And when we do, God is faithful and just, and he will forgive us and purify us. So to watch ourselves, not only do we need to confess our sins, but we also need to check our motives. Now, if you've listened to the last couple of weeks, this has been a recurring theme in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, to check our motives, right? We need to check our hearts. We've talked about this over and over again over the last couple of weeks. It's so important for us because, like we saw just a few weeks ago, we can give and we can pray and we can fast, but we can do all those things with wrong motives. And so we need to check our hearts. We need to check our motives. And the same is true When we are confronting sin in our brother or sister's lives, we must check our motives. We must check our hearts and ask the question, why am I confronting sin in their life? Is it to distract from the sin that's in my life? Or is it because I truly love and care about my brother or sister, and I want to see them restored and reconciled to God through Jesus as I have been. We must check our motives. Is it out of love for them? Let me give you some examples. So in the Bible, in Genesis, we see God come and confront the sin of Adam and Eve when they had sinned in the garden, right? Does anybody remember what what Adam said to God when he confronted sin in them? He said, God, it's the woman that you put here with me. She gave me fruit and I ate. (laughs) Now, was Adam's statement wrong? No, it was a truthful statement. That's exactly what happened. You know, Eve gave, gave him the fruit and he ate, right? But 
Adam's motives were wrong, right? He was trying to point out the speck in Eve's eye to ignore or distract from the plank that was in his own eye, right? He said what was truthful, but he was, his motives were wrong. But then on the opposite side of that, I think of another time when somebody confronted sin. And I always think about uh, Nathan and David, right? Now, when Nathan came and confronted David's sin, was Nathan perfect? No. He was a sinful guy as well. He was a prophet of God and he was sinful, right? But because Nathan cared deeply about David, because he was concerned about David being restored, he comes to him and he confronts the sin in David's life. In fact, he confronts the sin in David's life in a way that would help David to tear down the walls that he had built up, right? He doesn't just walk right in and say, David, you're a sinner, right? But he goes and he says, David, let me tell you about this story, about this man, right? And he tells him the story, and, and, and David became pretty irate of this guy who had taken this other man's sheep. And then these few words changed David's heart. Nathan says, David, you are the man. You see, Nathan, he loved and cared so much about David that he confronted sin in his life. So again, whether it's Adam or whether it's Nathan, it comes down to our motives. Why are we confronting the sin in other people's life? Is it because we are hypocrites and are being judgmental, or is it because we love and care for them? I love how Jim Putman puts it in his book, Real Life Discipleship. He says, when we know and follow Christ, we look at people differently. We don't judge them. Instead, we care for them and we reach out to them in love. When we are disciples of Jesus, we speak and act and serve like he did. Like the apostle Paul, Jesus' loves, Jesus's love compels us. We long to see unbelievers reconciled to him through Jesus, and we partner with him in this mission. Friends, it's out of love and care for other people that we want to see them reconciled to God through Jesus as we have been. So if we want to help remove the speck from our brother or sister's eye, we first need to watch ourselves confessing our sins to God and checking our hearts and checking our motives. And then we need to go about the work of restoring that person gently. Look again there at Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. It says, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently should restore that person gently. Man, there is so much in Scripture, from the Old Testament to the New, that helps give us insight to correctly understand and correctly handle Jesus' words here in Matthew chapter 7, right? Um, and, and Galatians 6 is one of them. So if we want to help remove uh, the sin and the speck from our brother and sister's eyes, we first must remove our own sin by taking it to God in Jesus so that we can help others do the same. And we must do so gently. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, verse 15. He says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. Now, friends, we can speak the truth without love, can't we? That's exactly what Adam did. He spoke the truth, but without love. 
He was trying to distract from his own sin and point blame to Eve and even to God, right? But when we speak the truth in love, we are first removing the plank from our own eye so that we can clearly see to help remove the sawdust speck from our brother's eye. When we speak the truth in love, we are going back to restore that person gently. We are going to restore that person gently, that brother or sister who's been caught in sin. So if we want to help restore our brother or sister, if we want to help remove the speck from our brother and sister's eye, we need to watch ourselves confessing our sins and checking our motives. And then we need to go about the work of restoring them gently by speaking the truth in love. Now, Jesus' brother, Jude, uh, has, has a very short letter towards the back of the New Testament but it's so powerful if you ever take time to read it. And, and, and Jude gives us some great insight to how we are to help people. And he tells us that people are different and people are at different places on their journey and people move at different speeds on their journey. And so when we help people, we will have to help different people differently. And he gives us some insight in verse 22 of Jude. He says, be merciful to those who doubt. Save others by snatching them from the fire. And to others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothing stained by corrupt flesh. Friends, when we are trying to help other people, we need to remember and understand that everyone is different and everyone is at different places on their journey and everyone moves at different speeds on their journey. And so with different people, we will have to help them differently. Some people, we will need to have mercy with. But then some others, we just need to snatch them right out of the fire. And and then still with others, we will need to have mercy mixed with fear. So if we want to help remove the speck from our brother or sister's eye, we need to watch ourselves confessing our sins, checking our motives. We need to then go about the work of restoring that person gently by speaking the truth in love. And then we need to remember that with different people, We will need to help them differently. Now, you may ask, well, Thomas, how in the world can I know how I am to help different people differently? How do I know if I need to have mercy or if I just need to snatch them out of the fire or if I need to have mercy mixed with fear? How do I know how I am to help different people? Well, friends, the key is relationships. Authentic relationships. Look, if you aren't in an authentic relationship with someone else, first, they will not know that you love and care for them. Secondly, they will not listen to your rebuke or your correction because they don't know that you love and care for them because you're not in an authentic relationship with them. And lastly, if you aren't in an authentic relationship with somebody else, you won't know how to help them in the way that they need help. Relationship is key. Relationship is key. And then friends, here's the reality. Even if we are in relationship with other people, we're still gonna mess up as we try to help them. We're still gonna make mistakes and fall short. Because look, life, relationships, connections, they aren't linear. They aren't math formulas. They aren't always, if you do A plus B, you will always get C. That's not how relationships work. 
They're difficult. They're messy. They're hard. Relationships hurt. But you know what? We still need them. Other people still need you to build authentic relationships with them, to be able to speak truth and love to them. And you need authentic relationships with other people too. We need each other. We are better together. Now here at Journey Church, we put it this way. There's two different things we say about relationships with other people that I think are key to this. First, we say that all of us go out and build authentic relationships with the lost in our community and around the world to communicate the gospel of Jesus clearly to them. And then the second thing we say is that we build strong relationships with each other, walking side by side through the messiness of life with prayer, accountability, and encouragement. And so whether we are reaching the lost or whether we are, are connecting with our brother and sister, it all comes back to relationships. And I love how the Proverbs speaks about these type of relationships that we're talking about. So we're going to hit three different verses in Proverbs pretty quickly. First is Proverbs 18.24. And it says, One who has unreliable friends soon comes to ruin. I guess Mama was right. (laughs) Got to watch who our friends are. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And then Proverbs 27, verse 5 says this, Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And then later in that same chapter, in verse 17, it says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Friends, I don't know about you, but these are the type of relationships that I want in my life. These are the type of friendships that I want in my life. These are the type of authentic relationships that we need to be building with other followers of Jesus and with the lost. We need to be building these type of authentic relationships with other followers of Jesus. You need to find some friends who stick closer to you than a brother does. You need to find some friends who will openly rebuke you when you are in sin because they love and they care about you. You need to find some friends who will wound you to bring healing to you. You need to find some friends who will sharpen you and so that you can sharpen them. You need some friends like this. And let me tell you, life groups are a great place to find these type of relationships. We have five life groups here at Journey Church. We have three that meet on Sundays. Uh, Ed leads one that meets at Ray and Judy's house, and uh, Jimmy leads one that meets at their house, and then I lead one that meets at our house and over at Heather and Christopher sometime. And then we have a men's life group that meets on Tuesday evenings at Beaufort Builders, and then we have a women's life group that meets on Wednesday, sometimes at Beaufort Builders and sometimes on Zoom. And so you need to get connected to one of these life groups. And if one of those life groups doesn't work for you, then you need to find another life group outside of Journey Church, or maybe you need to start a life group. Man, I would love to help you get one started. Maybe you need to grab some of your coworkers and some of your friends and your neighbors and start studying the Bible together and start praying together and start confessing your sins to one another and start holding one another accountable and praying for one another and encouraging one another. We need to be building 
these type of authentic relationships with other followers of Jesus because we need our brothers and sisters to help us remove the planks and the specks from our own eye. We, we need that help. And we need to help remove those specks and those planks from our brother and sister's eyes as well. We need these type of authentic relationships. We need these friendships that stick closer than brothers and sisters. We need these, these friendships who will wound us to bring us healing. We need these, these type of friendships that will sharpen us and that we can sharpen them. And we also need to be building these type of authentic relationships with the lost. Because when we do, then our coworkers and our friends and our neighbors and our family members and the people in our community who are far from Jesus, when we are building authentic relationships with them, they will see and know how much we love and care for them. And God will begin to open up doors for us to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus, and speak truth into their lives. They will know that because we love and care for them, that it's not out of judgment that we are are confronting sin in their lives, but it's because we are compelled to see them reconciled to God through Jesus as we have been. Now, as we've said, even if we are in authentic relationships, does that mean that everyone will will suddenly be open to hear the gospel and suddenly be open to hear us confront sin in them? No. Sin has a way of hardening our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears. The scripture talks all about having ears to hear and eyes to see. And, and guess what? You and I can't do anything to open up other people's eyes and ears to see the truth of God's word. Only his spirit can convict them of sin in that way. But that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be building relationships with them, that we shouldn't be caring and loving for them, and that we shouldn't be speaking the truth about sin to them anyway. So that by every might that we have, that some might come to know and follow Jesus. Friends, if we want to help remove the speck from our brothers and sisters, we first need to watch ourselves, confessing our sins to God, removing those planks from our own eyes, checking our hearts and our motives. Why are we confronting sin in other people? And then we need to go about the work of restoring our brother and sister who's in sin gently by speaking the truth and love to them. And then we need to build authentic relationships with them because it's only through relationships that we will know how we are to help them. Remove the plank from your own eye so that you can see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's or sister's eye. Friends, I want you to know that one day Jesus is going to return. And on that day, all of us will stand in judgment before God. You, me, him, her, all of us are going to stand before Jesus in judgment. And Jesus is going to say one of two things to us. He's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter your master's joy. Or he's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. What will Jesus say to you on that day? And let me tell you, what Jesus says to you won't be based on how much money you've earned. 
It won't be based on how many titles that you carry. It won't even be based on how many good things that you have done, maybe even in the name of Jesus. All that will matter on that day is whether or not you have died to your sins and to yourself and followed him. So when Jesus returns and you stand before him, what is he going to say? What is he going to say to you? And friends, let me tell you, it doesn't matter what you've done or where you've been. Because everyone who calls on the name of Jesus can be saved. Even you. Because even I have been saved. So won't you come today? Won't you come and die to yourself and repent of your sins and be joined with Jesus in baptism today. When Jesus comes and you stand before him, what will he say to you? Well done, good and faithful servant. Or depart from me. I never knew you. We pray with me. Father, we thank you that you have given us each other. And because we can't make it in this life alone, we need each other to confront sin in our life. And Father, we know how much that hurts and how painful that is, but how much it's needed so that we can remove the cancer of sin from our lives. We need each other. But Father, we also know that we can, we can speak the truth into other people's lives without love. We can speak the truth into people's lives and confront sin in their lives while ignoring the plank in our own. So, Father, help us to remove first the plank out of our own eyes so that we can clearly see to help our brother or sister. Help us to judge each other's actions out of love for them, not to condemn them, but to see them reconciled to you through Jesus as we have been. And Father, if there are those that are here this morning that have never, have never died to their self and died to their sins and started following your son Jesus, would you call them? Would you open up their hearts and their eyes and their ears to see how much you love them? You've demonstrated that love by sending your son Jesus who gave up his life to pay for our sins. Father, we praise you that his story didn't end with his death, but through his resurrection, we too now have forgiveness. We too now can have life. So Father, help us to help each other and help us to confront sin in our own lives and confront sin in each other's lives so that we can find forgiveness and healing that's only through your son, Jesus. And Father, we ask all of this in his name. Amen. Friends, we're going to move into our time of communion and commitment and prayer.